Welcome into another episode of Miked Up with Mellow and Big Country, brought to you by Mid America RV. Why work from home when your office could be in Yellowstone? Mid America RV is your gateway to adventure with their diverse selection of travel trailers, fifth wheels, teardrops, and toy haulers. Have the right size RV for any vehicle, all covered by their exclusive RV warranty forever. Game days, remote work, getaways, and family vacations are all better in an RV from Mid America RV. Experience travel like you never have before. Find out more in Mid America RV. Absolutely. Next up is going to be downtown Lou. Make sure you visit them right here in the heart of Joplin, Missouri on 1st and Main Street. They do specialize in tires and lube, but they are much more than that. So be sure to visit their website at downtownlube.com for the full list of services. Not a matter of if, a matter of when you're going to need that oil change and those tire service. So again, make sure you get that taken care of right here in Joplin at downtown Lube. And welcome into the show. We appreciate everybody joining us. Uh, today we'll, ju- we'll dive into, jump into, dive into, drive into... The national championship recap, our team wasn't in it, uh, but it still was almost a good game. Uh, it was at least entertaining there for a little bit. Maybe look ahead. We started to last week at the way too early top 25s that are out. Uh, and then we also have the NFL um, playoffs starting this weekend. Hopefully you have a Peacock account because you're going to need it for that one. Uh, but let's jump into the national championship recap here. Michigan versus Washington. I am a college football nerd, so I was ready to go for this game. I, I loved the matchup. I love how opposite these two teams were. You had the great defense in Michigan against the high-powered Washington offense. And I guess the old saying is still true. Defense wins championships. Michigan wins 34-13. to Washington was never even really in this game from the very start. Donovan Edwards just takes a, a run. I, his first touch of the game, first drive of the game, like 40 yards, I don't remember what it was, 46 yards, touchdown. Michigan pretty much had their foot on the gas the entire night, and by the third quarter, I was dozing off. That's how that game went. Um, I, I just kind of want to preface this. If that was the Washington team that Texas would have played um, in that performance, like Texas would have been a national championship game. It's just crazy to mm-hmm. see a team – be able to hit, or maybe I should just say Michael Penix. You go from one week of hitting every single throw that you need, and then the next game, you just you're missing. And like that's the beauty of football, right? Any given Sunday, any given day. Um, but it was just it was nuts to see him take these deep shots, or just even hit a comeback route, and just throw overthrows. And you're sitting here going, like, man, is he just that uncomfortable? Like is Michigan causing that much pressure or disruption where he's can't make his first read, doesn't know where to go, isn't comfortable in his decision-making, and then we see the pain that he's in at the end of the game. Like, that just seemed awful for him after a while, where he's just grabbing his ribs the whole time, and then even after the game, walking into the tunnel, it's like, man, you kind of feel bad for him because he's going through so much. But then to go to Michigan, like, I don't want to take anything away from them. They completely dominated. They did whatever they wanted to uh, on offense in terms of running the football. Uh, Passing-wise, I wouldn't say McCarthy had the, the best game, right? really much of the game at all but he made plays when he needed to especially with his legs and that's kind of part of it where you look at Michigan and you go all right yeah I mean just go undefeated this year he took care of business had some some wins where it's like man that's kind of like a disgusting win but a win's a win and you get all the way to the national championship game and you do what you've done all year and that's just flat out dominate people 
Yeah, it's hard to accidentally win 15 times in a row, especially when you play in the Big Ten. You made it to the conference championship. You played two playoff games. So good for Michigan. I, I think it is cool. It's something that we talked about, too, is it, it's nice to see somebody that's not in the SEC. It's nice to see someone who's not one of those traditional powers. And I think Michigan, uh, they're a blue blood for sure, but they're not the Alabamas or Georgias that we're used to seeing over the last couple of years of they're going to go and they're going to dominate college football. Uh, maybe next year they'll get back to it. Uh, but I, I liked watching Michigan. You know I'm a nerd for running the football, and they were able to do it. And they were able to do it well. Blake Corm goes for 134 yards and two touchdowns. Donovan Edwards, just big plays. A guy had six carries for 104 yards and two touchdowns. Michigan just lined up and ran the ball. And that's honestly, that's what I wanted Texas to do when they played Washington. Establish the run. That's where Washington was weak on defense. And then get after Michael Penix. It was a very easy game plan. Very difficult to pull off. It was not something that was easy to do. Uh, but Michigan was able to do it. So congratulations to them. And then you mentioned J.J. McCarthy. I, I love the quarterback position, too. I also hate how much attention they get. Because immediately after the game, who do they go to and who do they start interviewing? It's J.J. McCarthy. The guy threw 18 passes Monday night, threw for 140 yards, no touchdowns at all. And he, made, he had that one long run. He rushed for 31 yards, and we're putting the microphone in his face. I get it. He's the quarterback. But go to your guys like Blake Corum, who, who's a senior, and they did. Uh, they did, but I just – I don't get the J.J. McCarthy love. I, I mean, he was a game manager. I, I didn't see him make any wow throws, even on the 10 completions that he had. I just really wasn't impressed by what I saw out of him. I was very impressed by the Michigan offensive line, very impressed by the running backs, and that defense was absolutely outstanding for Michigan. But, I mean, just J.J. McCarthy, we're talking about this guy as a draft prospect, and I just don't know if I see it with him. Well, and I think that's yeah, that's one of the reasons why we kept looking at Michigan or other teams this year of saying, like, there's nobody out there that's really just dominating. And, and Michigan had a really good performance. I don't know that I'd call it a dominating performance in the national championship game, but it still 
it was really good. Uh, they did a very good job of, like I said, establishing a game plan and just really sticking to their identity of you're not going to throw the ball against us. We're going to control the clock. We're going to control the line of scrimmage. And we're going to do everything that we can and really just everything that we want to in this game. And we really we saw it out of guys like Blake Quorum. Even having Donovan Edwards hit it for big uh, plays, that's kind of his M.O. And then the defense. The defense was just lights out. And it wasn't just the sacks on Michael Penix, because I, I think he was only sacked once. But getting that pressure on him. And then, you know, they forced two interceptions. That's not something that other teams were really able to do against Washington. And then just uh, not letting them fight back in the second half. Just it was impressive. And a part of me even was happy for Harbaugh to watch him get that national championship at his alma mater after all the just distractions and kind of nonsense that happened this year at Michigan. I, I did feel a little bit good for him. Yeah, absolutely. Like him being able to celebrate with his parents was, was a lot of fun to watch. And, <laughs> and his dad. <laughs> yeah, three years ago, we're sitting here looking at Michigan like, yeah, this is a basketball team. Like their football program mm-hmm. is done. Jim Harbaugh didn't make it happen. You can't beat Ohio State. Take a pay cut. Your seat's getting hot. And then, boom, it's just like, okay, hey, you took a pay cut. Let's go beat Michigan. Let's go to the college football playoff two years in a row and lose it. Third year, we're going to win it, and then we're going to go win a national title. Like, mm-hmm. three, if they would have just given up on them then, Michigan's probably done with. But they, they decided to stay with them, give them kind of one more shot, you'd say, with it. And then, boom, here he goes. He provides, and now he's going to ride off into the NFL. Right off into the NFL. Yeah, it seems like it. No idea what team he's going to go with. Yeah, and we're seeing a lot of coaches get fired. Uh, what's Michigan going to do next year? Uh, they're so up in the air, especially when we look at the way too early top 25s uh, that a lot of people have put out. Uh, I know I sent you one late last night, and it has Michigan mm-hmm. right there at number six, which is an interesting spot for them because there's so much uncertainty. There's uncertainty at your head coach position. Where John or sorry Jim Harbaugh might go off, like you said, right off into the sunset and go back to the NFL. There's a really good possibility that that happens. Uh, if JJ McCarthy and Harbaugh both come back, this could be a number one ranked team. But there's just that uncertainty of not knowing where where are they going to be. I mean, they both could be in the NFL next season, so that makes Michigan a tough read. And they come in, like you said, at number six. Um, so I guess we'll just have to wait and see. It's probably not going to be too much longer before Harbaugh makes his decision. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's a free agent right now. And uh, I, I wonder what if Michigan is kind of regretting the way that they treated him over the last couple of years. Uh, are, are they bitter at the NCAA for the way that things went down this year? But I mean, this Michigan team could be the number one ranked team in the nation to start the season. And maybe they should since they're the national champ. Or they could be really looking at like, a massive rebuild, and you don't really do that in college football where you have to replace your quarterback, you have to replace your running back, your offensive lineman, your head coach, a lot of the stars there on defense. It could look really bad for Michigan, or it could look absolutely fantastic. And one team that is at the top of most of these top 25s is the Georgia Bulldogs, which, no surprise, they were a two-time national champ. They returned their head coach, obviously, in Kirby Smart. They return a lot of guys from their offense. But anytime you have a team that is this loaded and you return your quarterback and Carson Beck, that's going to put Georgia up there at number one. So I had no problems with Georgia being this uh, highly ranked. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I 
<clears throat> do kind of wish Georgia would have found a way into the college football playoff this year just because a – I'm assuming it probably would have been a Georgia-Michigan rematch, and I think that would have been I, – I shouldn't even say rematch, just a Georgia-Michigan match for the national championship game. That would have been a lot of fun. I would have thoroughly enjoyed watching that. Yeah, maybe next year. Maybe we'll get that one next year. Uh, but and, I do uh, – let me go ahead and formally apologize. I didn't realize my mic was turned down to start this show, so I'm sure it was like, man, he's kind of like fainted a little bit. I like, can't really hear what he's saying. All of a sudden, it's like, boom, I'm back, bitches. <laughs> so, my bad. <laughs> uh, we do not employ a tech guy on this show, but maybe one of these <laughs> days we, uh, we will be able to. Uh, Georgia number one, uh, and this is according <laughs> to – the one that I saw was on three, uh, who does a lot of the recruiting stuff. Uh, they're dipping their toe pretty heavily into the college football rankings, too. Uh, number two was impressive for me, though, and it is something that we talked about last show. The Texas Longhorns are set up for a lot of success next year as well. Um, all of the talk, all over Austin, all over the um, message boards, it feels like Quinn Ewers is going to come back to Texas. And if he does, they are bringing a lot of stars uh, back with him. Like we talked about last episode, Texas is going to have four offensive linemen that are going to most likely return uh, a lot of their, their great ones, their stars, like their left tackle. He's a sophomore. He can't come out. Texas pays their offensive linemen more than anyone in the nation. He's not going to leave there. They're going to have four starting offensive linemen back. Uh, they're going to be down a running back. They're going to be down some receivers and a tight end. But I think what they showed this year, too, even in the Washington game, is that they've got some guys at running back that can be very impressive you're going to most likely have Quinn Ewers back. You're going to have some dudes on defense. It's it's weird to see. Like It's still surprising for me to see Texas be back and ranked number two in these way too early top 25s. Yeah, I mean, last week after the, the loss to Washington, I was prepared to come on and be like, yeah, man, I just I don't think we're going to see Texas kind of be back. Like, you're going to the SEC next year. <laughs> That's going to be tough. Like just some star like you're losing your stud receivers you're losing your stud tight end uh you're running back brooks is ahead now as well you're just kind of like to me i was just like man like, this stinks and then we come in and you just mr optimistic mellow i mean welcome you to know me baby you just you just had me ready to rock and roll hook them freaking forget being in the sec i don't even care mm-hmm. way too early top 25 number two that's what i'm talking about first yeah. the worst second is the best I am pumped. <laughs> and then the, the SEC, it's so crazy. This It really felt like the end of an era, which is maybe fitting that Michigan won because so many things are going to change next year. And we're going to go to this 12-team format in the playoff. But then looking at the conferences uh, of seeing, like we're talking about Georgia, we're talking about Texas right here. It's still weird to me not to only just see Texas ranked number two, but that's an SEC school. Going forward now, that's an SEC school uh, ranked at number two. And coming in at number three is Alabama. You have the SEC dominating at one, two, and three. It's just going to be ridiculous to see. And it's going to take some getting used to. And I think even more crazy is the next team on the list, <laughs> number four, Oregon. That's a Big Ten school. Yeah, the Oregon is in, Oregon's in the Big Ten. I don't know how many years it's going to take me to get used to that. But the Big Ten comes in next at 4, 5, and 6. It goes Oregon, Ohio State, and Michigan. You have three SEC schools, three Big Ten schools. I, I think this is just the way that college football is going to go. I, I'm sorry if you're a team of the S- ACC, uh, if you're a team of uh, the Big 12. Uh, you are just 
you are little brother. There, there's a power two right now, and it's the SEC and the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, like even with Notre Dame being there at eight for the ACC representation, because that's the you know pretty much what they are um, with the rest of their school having that, and the football being independent. Then we go into the Big Twelve at eleven with Utah. Like that seems weird to say as well. Like Utah being in the mm-hmm. Big Twelve, and then Arizona as well. But it's like everything else is just heavily dominated by the SEC or the Big Ten the rest of the way. And it's just, like you said, it's weird, but at the same time, it's so cool because we're going to see teams make it in the playoff that probably have one or two losses that are going to be from conference games. And we used to crack mm-hmm. the joke all the time that Pac-12 or cannibalizes itself. Excuse me, let me learn how to talk again. Um, we're going to see that within the Big Ten and the, and the SEC tremendously this next year like there's so many teams in the sec that are like old miss they're going to compete they're probably going to sneak a win against alabama right lsu they're right in there again um do you have any idea who they're they have a quarterback next year do they have a recruit or do they to get another guy in the transfer portal i don't remember off the top of my head what they did at lsu if they brought in somebody from the transfer portal or not there's so many guys just moving all over the place i honestly i don't remember yeah because Kansas State former quarter is at Will Howard. He's now at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how to think about the transfer portal because like, even when Penix went from Illinois to Washington, I was like, well, boy, that's kind of like a weird – like you're going to go from Illinois all the way to Washington. Like that just seems like a totally mm-hmm. different type of deal and conference within itself too. And all of a sudden it's like, boom, national championship game. So who knows? Maybe this works out for Ohio State and Mr. Howard himself. But yeah. to me it just seems like a weird – a weird deal, and then even with uh, the transfers to Oregon in terms of quarterbacks, like now you have two quarterbacks that have transferred in with Gabriel and uh, the five-star kid. I think it's Malachi mm-hmm. from USC. So now you're sitting here going, like, "Well, all right, what are we going to do now?" And LSU's quarterback is Garrett Nussmeyer, who he played in the bowl game and he played pretty well. Uh, they beat Wisconsin. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. I, I think it's easy to see your guy leaving to the NFL, Jane Daniels. And saying, like, nope, our backup, he's our next guy. Until somebody else hits the portal, and then you add somebody late. I mean, I'm sure if Arch Manning hit the portal, LSU would be all over him, uh, and as they should. But it is weird, because you mentioned guys like Dylan Gabriel and um, Michael Penix Jr., Jaden Daniels. A lot of these guys transferred, a lot like what Will Howard's doing this year. And I didn't think they would be anything special, and then... Here we are, where those are your top three Heisman guys all came from transfers. And Bo Nix, and then you had Jaden Daniels, who won the award, and then Michael Penix Jr., who we saw last night, was just very good. Um, so it's it's tough to read what's going to happen with these guys once they do finally kind of find themselves a home and find themselves in that second chance. I always said it about Baker Mayfield. He's so good once he puts that chip on his shoulder. And sometimes I think that happens with a lot of these transfer kids is they go and uh, they were kind of forced to find a new home. And then they get that chip on their shoulder and they're able to transfer and find themselves in a better situation. Or you go and you pair up with a coach and a philosophy that better fits who you actually are as a player and not who you were as a prospect when you were 17, 18 years old. I mean, some of these kids are 22, 23 years old now transferring. So yeah, we'll see what happens, but the top 25, at least the one that we were looking at, the top 10 is Georgia, Texas, 
Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, Michigan, Ole Miss, Notre Dame, Penn State, and Missouri. So a lot of Big Ten schools, a lot of SEC schools. And then next year, like I mentioned, we're changing up the the bracket altogether. We're going to have a 12-team playoff, and I don't know if this is going to be a thing or not, but I can't wait to fill out my college football bracket and see what that looks like, see if I get it right. Uh, because I am going to make that a thing. Uh, I don't. I haven't seen anyone else talk about that yet. So this is my thing. We will be filling out brackets for the playoff next year. Uh, maybe there will be an ESPN bracket challenge by then. This is an idea that I think is going to take off. I can't wait for it. it it's going to be chaos. And one thing that I wrote about this week is there's so many people saying already, like, oh, I'm so glad this era is over. We won't have to deal with any more complaining. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, that's why we expanded four teams. It's like, oh, okay, well, you won't have those number three and number four teams anymore. You are correct. We had the number five team and the number six team complaining. And it's just going to continue on. Next year, it's going to be team 13 and team 14. And I compared it to March Madness. We have a whole show that's a selection show, and they immediately talk about who was left out. It's a field of 68, and they still talk about who is left out. Expanding this playoff to 12 teams is not going to eliminate that. It will not happen ever, ever in college football. So uh, I can't wait to fill up my bracket. But we do also have NFL playoffs starting this weekend. And this is where uh, let's just let's dive into the Chiefs game first. It's not the first game on Saturday. The Browns and the Texans play at 3.30 Central Time here on NBC, uh, which I'm sure everybody is just very excited about. But the one that has really gotten my attention, obviously we're Chiefs fans here, is the Dolphins at the Chiefs, which is a great matchup. I think it's one of the best matchups in the playoffs, and that's not my Chiefs bias. This is just two very exciting teams with a lot uh, to win. You cannot watch this game unless you have a subscription to Peacock. And I just don't understand why the NFL would allow Peacock, a streaming service, to have access to a playoff game. Yeah, I do this for a, a regular season Thursday, like even for Amazon. You, oh, you got to have Amazon Prime. Like we all got kind of used to that because we all have Prime anyways. It's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. it's something I don't have to really do anything else with. I probably have Prime, order the stuff and have them delivered. I just log into this, watch football game. For Peacock, that's a whole new app. It's not affiliated with anything else in terms of like Amazon, like I just mentioned. It's its whole own thing, and you have to pay for it with another subscription for a playoff game. I would be irate if my sister and brother-in-law didn't have it for me to log in and watch it. I would be so annoyed. But luckily, luckily they do. So I don't have to worry about it. But for everybody else, I get it. I would be pissed. Mm -hmm. I I think it's just so dumb. In this game itself, the weather is going to suck. So it's like watching. You're going to have to go through all this. You're going to have to... Sign up, log in, pay for it, make sure it's downloaded on your TV, make sure your Internet's working so you can stream it. And it's inevitably going to have issues because I guarantee you their system is going to be overloaded with the amount of people that are on it. And they're just, we were just not prepared for this. Well, efforts, your CBS, you should be. Get out of your own. Or is it NBC? Is NBC. Peacock NBC? Yeah, yep. middle finger. Like, get out of here. That's ridiculous. There better yep. not be any issues with it. I don't have and much I of know- a voice to it, but I'm, I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to say something. I will tweet. 
<laughs> yeah. I will X to my followers and talk about it. Uh, the good thing is, and I know in our area, I did see um, as soon as the schedule was kind of released and people figured out, okay, the Chiefs are going to be playing on Peacock, I did see people even on Facebook. They're like, if you need it, I have a login. You can use it. Slide in my DMs, and I will give you the Peacock login. Um, I also have access to a Peacock account that um, I don't pay for. So um, shout out to us as a civilization to just be like, hey, here's my password for this. You give me your password for that, and we'll just trade. And it's wonderful. Until I I did finally get locked out of Netflix, though. Um, I had that, that just scary message pop up of, are you traveling somewhere? No, I'm not. This is just where I'm logged in. So now I'm I'm locked out of Netflix. I don't think I can get it again unless I pay for it. But if you've been listening to this show for very long, you know Big Country and I are very anti like paying for another streaming service. So I'm I'm holding out. I don't know what I'm holding out for. I, a new password for them to lift their restrictions. I don't know what I'm waiting for. But I, so far, I refuse to pay for another subscription. Like, here's an idea. Like, what if we just combined all these subscription services into one thing that then connected to a satellite, which is going to have a stronger connection, and we don't have to worry yeah. about you know right. overloading our or just our connect a cable to my house and let me watch it that way. I'll pay for yeah. the packages. You know, like a landline, like. Yeah, anything. You just, you know, run just it send the it ground. You don't even see it it's directly not an to my TV. Uh huh. It would be a genius idea. Somebody really needs to do it because our generation. I think we're both. Are you a millennial or are you Gen Z? I think you're a millennial because I'm like an I'm old millennial. And I'll tell you what. Speaking of that, I'm getting sick and tired of these. I'm getting sick and tired of these Gen Z kids. <laughs> they're they're pissing me off. They come yeah. in here with this sense of entitlement of like, man, like this is what I have to do. Like you millennials have messed this up. Like we haven't done shit. We haven't got the opportunity to mess anything up yet. Mm-mm. And Gen Z, like, get off your phone and complaining about stuff. Like you have an idea how something works. You don't. Just <laughs> shut up and live life. That was probably you. A couple. I sound years like ago. a boomer right now. You but do. By golly, I'm so <laughs> sick and tired. You are of so just, old. Yeah. Of just like I get on TikTok and it's just like all these younger people that are just complaining about it. Like, yes, it freaking sucks. Pull up your bootstraps and let's freaking go. <laughs> That's life. It sucks. Welcome to adulthood. <laughs> yeah. But I do think it was our generation that ruined like cable TV because we had it. We had it so good. We didn't know what we had. It's okay. <laughs> until it's we, gone. We did have an opportunity to mess something up. <laughs> Because we were like all of us, myself included, hand up in like 2018, 2019. Like, no, I'm not paying this $140 a month for direct TV. No, I'll just have a Netflix account and that's it. That's all I need until Amazon was like, hey, uh, you want to pay for this one too? Like, oh, of course. Yeah, like 24 bucks a month for two streaming services. It's not too bad. It's not bad. I paid 140 Still cheaper than what I was doing before. <laughs> Yeah, and then like HBO comes along, and they've got one now. Hulu has one, Disney Plus, ESPN Plus. Before you know it, ladies and gentlemen, we are all paying like $200 a month if you want to get all these streaming services. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> we had it good. We messed up, and I'll take responsibility. That was that's part on me because I was a cord cutter too, and I would love to put that cord back together. I don't know what the deals are at Directv, like YouTube TV. I love it; it's great. Uh, but on top of like my YouTube TV that costs seventy dollars a month, plus every other subscription service that I'm supposed to be paying for. Easily $140. I should have just kept DirecTV. Like, I think I was grandfathered into a good deal, so I should have just kept it. But whatever. Even like DirecTV even has the uh, the uh, capability to stream it on your phone, doesn't it? They do now. Like I remember, uh, God, we're so old now. I remember a couple of years ago they didn't. Like they had the app, but it didn't work very well. So it's like, well, yeah. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pay for YouTube TV because I can stream it wherever, which is great. It works wonderfully. Mm-hmm. I watch games all the time, no matter where I am. Yep. But I do think DirecTV has something at least similar now to where you can do that too. Uh, but other games <laughs> that you can watch. Um, no, we didn't even talk about the game. We just talked about how to stream it on. <laughs> Peacock. What are your no thoughts reason, on the actual game? <laughs> no reason to talk about it. No one's going to be able to watch it. Uh, as a Chiefs fan, I'm nervous. Uh, big country, I'm pretty nervous because I think they may they might get knocked out of the playoffs in the first round, and they might do it at home. The <laughs> only thing that is really working for the Chiefs in their favor right now is the Dolphins didn't look great, and they're a little bit injured, and also the weather is going to be absolutely terrible in Kansas City. So, like... That almost works against the Chiefs, too. We, as Chiefs fans, you need Isaiah Pacheco uh, this yeah. Saturday. He is going to be the most valuable player. Like He's the guy that the offense is going to have to run through. And Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. But this weather is going to be awful. It's going to be super windy, very cold. I just don't think you're going to be able to throw the ball. And, oh, by the way, the Dolphins have the guy who leads the league in rushing touchdowns and Raheem Mostert. So uh, we'll see what happens. I think that it's going to be one of those old school games that I like uh, where you are just, you're running the football a lot and we'll see which team can do it better. But I, I don't feel confident about the chiefs this weekend. Um, uh, maybe I mean, that's a good thing. I'm right there with you. And the dolphins backup running back a Shaney, is that how you pronounce his last name? I've not been able to do it all season. I've just yeah, I don't even know. Okay. Well, he is back and he had some explosive moments in the season before he got injured. And it was getting kind of to a point where it was like, man, like he might just take over the job from Raheem Mostert um, and just kind of keep going with it. But then he got injured. Mostert continued to do what he was doing on the goal line, scoring touchdowns. And then the Dolphins, you know, just throwing the ball up to Tyreek and Waddle and letting them eat. That you're not necessarily going to be able to see that in Kansas City. But at the same time, like Miami's not going to stop what they do. And they're great at everything pre-snap motion and then putting the defense in a spot that you have guys running all over the field. You're dealing with Tyree Kill speed. You're dealing with Waddle speed. And then Motor and Ashaney are just able to get out in space as well on a cutback for a run. And it's just, it's going to be hectic. But everything that you mentioned in terms of the weather for the Chiefs, in terms of throwing the ball, I'm not necessarily worried about Mahomes throwing the ball because his arm's so strong, right? Like, he'll be fine there. But it's thought of if these receivers haven't been able to catch the ball all season in good weather, in what world do we think they're going to be able to catch it in this weather where the wind might kind of knock it off course a little bit, or it's going to be a little harder literally to catch because of the weather. It's going to be like a freaking rock coming in at 45, right. 50 miles an hour across the middle. You guys and tracking the ball, like mm-hmm. tracking the ball is going to be super tough for them. 
this game is an arrowhead at night. I, I know our stats and research department, Brooks Gwynn, uh, mentioned a couple weeks ago the arrowhead at night is one of the toughest places to catch the ball anyway. And now you're going to add the wind, the cold, the lights, everything. It's, it's going to be very difficult to throw the ball. So uh, we'll see. Both these offenses have been very good at throwing the ball. Uh, maybe they will surprise us both. If I were betting on this game, I think I would take the Dolphins um, just because the Chiefs are a four-point favorite. And uh, one thing we used to always say is that in the NFL, the home team gets three points. Uh, so Vegas is not very confident here. And I even think Arrowhead, you might have to give them more than three points, especially in a playoff game. But the Dolphins just seem honestly like a better team this year. I, I don't even know that we have to give like a whole lot of in-depth analysis on why. The Kansas City Chiefs receivers are terrible, and the Dolphins at times look like the best team in the league. Uh, they kind of pissed it away with their division late, uh, but the Bills might be the hottest team in the league right now, and that's part of the reason why. So if I'm picking a team here, if I'm betting, it's it's going to be the Dolphins this weekend. I think I'm right there with you. And the only thing that worries me about Miami is just their defense is so banged up. You know, they had to, they just added, I think, Justin uh, Houston in terms of an edge rusher, and then you have uh, – yeah. <clears throat> uh, oh my gosh, why are these names slipping my mind? Melvin Ingram uh, at defensive end, and then Emmanuel Ogba is the other one whose name was just not appear in my mind for whatever reason. Those are like their three pass rushers now when you had Chubb and Jalen Phillips. So it, it stinks. But at the same time, these guys are fresh in a sense, right? They've not really had a lot of work this season. They're ready for a playoff run. Justin Houston back in Kansas City, too. He missed out on all those Super Bowl runs. He missed out on those playoff runs because he got cut literally before all of it. Kind of feel bad for the guy. But at the same time, it's like, eh, it yeah. sucks to suck. <laughs> so my only thing with this is almost wanting to say Miami beats Kansas City because they're a better team right now. It's more so how does Kansas City, which I do think, it's more so how does Kansas City lose this game at their own fault? Is it is it another false start at the at a worst opportunity? Is it a holding call? Yeah. Is it a offensive pass interference? Is it a defensive pass interference? In what way does Kansas City just look at this and go, we have a chance to win it, and they shoot themselves mm-hmm. in the foot? I'm going to say punt, return, fumble. That seems to be something that happens a lot to the Chiefs. Um, yeah, the first game on Saturday, though, is an interesting one, too. Um, it's it's really it's almost too bad that Deshaun Watson isn't playing in this game, but the Browns go to Houston to take on the Texans. I have become a little bit of a Texans fan. I am rooting for them at a minimum, and I definitely want to see them win this game. Part of it is is the Deshaun Watson stuff. I I want to see the Texans be able to move on first. It's like these two got divorced. I want to see who gets the hot girlfriend first. Um, <laughs> Hand up wasn't me. Uh, doing pretty well now, but I want to see. I lost that fight uh, for sure. She won. She won the original one. Uh, she won that battle. But I got the last laugh. But I think I'm doing good. Yeah. Now. Um, anyway, back to football. Start at the bottom. How are you? <laughs> I want to see the Texans get that last laugh of like you thought you had something. You moved on to a team. You thought you were going to be special. And then it's the Houston Texans and C.J. Stroud that eliminate the Browns. That's what I want to see happen. Do you think Joe Flacco has a, another big game of like 350 yards, or do you think this is a I, game where he just messes it all up? Yeah, I can't imagine that he's going to keep doing this. I, I don't know how he's playing so well. And hats off to Kevin Stefanski, too, who I don't know how he's doing it. They started like five quarterbacks this year, and he's still – 
got this team in the playoffs, but I'm waiting for things to fall apart with Joe Flacco. And that's not something I'm rooting for. Uh, I think it's a really cool story, but I just can't imagine that he's able to keep doing this. And I think D'Amico Ryan's and the Texans are finally the team uh, that will put something together and they'll be able to beat the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. And like, even with CJ Stroud to come in as a second pick overall into Houston, D'Amico Ryan's new head coach, you're sitting here looking at this like, man, this franchise, it's just going to take a minute for them to kind of come back and get things rolling in the right, in the right direction. And they did it in one off season. It gives you hope if you're the Carolina Panthers, if you're the maybe not the Raiders, maybe the Patriots, you know, some of these other teams, the Chicago Bears, the uh, yeah. Atlanta Falcons. Like, there's just a lot of talent on the Falcons team. So maybe they're the great example of this. Mm-hmm. But for Houston to just go from literally bottom of the league to right here at the top, you nail the draft, mm-hmm. you nail your head coach, you won your division, and now you're sitting here going like, okay, hey, like we can get a playoff win. At a, in a year that we were not expecting to do that mm-hmm. at all. I don't even think they were like, hey, we got a chance to get in a playoffs. Yeah. No, <laughs> no I don't, don't think so either. But it's just like even after I've, I've been rooting for C.J. Stroud for a while, and I'm, I'm happy to see him have the success in the NFL and, mm-hmm. and lead his team here. Even after the draft of like, man, they really knocked it out of the park. Like, they're a couple of years away. And <laughs> yeah. here they are about to play in the playoffs and potentially uh, get a round one win against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, those are your Saturday games, the Browns and Texans, and then the Dolphins and Chiefs. On Sunday, things will kick off with the first game, Steelers at Bills, which is another pretty exciting game. Uh, obviously, it's the playoffs, but I think this is a good matchup, too, of like Mike Tomlin does it again. is something that we've already talked about. Uh, but somehow, he's doing it with Mason Rudolph as his starting quarterback. And I, I don't know what they do there with the future. I, I know that you called it out a long time ago that Kenny Pickett wouldn't be good. It's crazy to see this offense and this team and the way that they're playing with not even average quarterback play. I mean, Mason Rudolph is not, he's not a starter in the NFL. He probably shouldn't be the number two guy on your team. And here they have him. He was QB three for them. He's starting in a playoff game and might be their best option. But Mike Tomlin, once again, has just done a bang up job. The Bills, like I said earlier, though, they're hot. They've been so good of late. They look so good against the Dolphins. They are favored to win this game by 10 points. It's in Buffalo. I am picking the Buffalo Bills. They are a team that scares me. And even being here in Missouri and talking to other Chiefs fans, it's like we do not want to see the Buffalo Bills. We don't want to have to play them. Um, and I agree. And that's why I'm going to take the Bills to beat the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, this was a team that we thought was was dead in the water. We thought their Super Bowl window was slammed shut right in their face, and it was like, man, you guys are just going to have to blow this thing up. Like, move mm-hmm. on from Stephon Diggs. Your defense is getting <laughs> that older. That was this year. <laughs> yeah, I, like three months ago, less than that. I mean, you were 5-5 five and five at one point. You fired offensive coordinator in Ken Dorsey. You bring up Joe Brady, and it's like, holy smokes, we can run the football now? Like We're, we're capable of doing that yeah. successfully? And then not saying, hey, Josh Allen, please do everything. Like, please. Yep. And now he, he just looks more relaxed. He's making plays. Um, like, I don't want to say like making plays on his own, but in a, it's in a sense of he doesn't feel pressure to have to make the plays. It's like I'm making this play to like just lead the team and carry it, not because I feel like I have to do it. And then you put yourself in a position to make mistakes. Well, we've not seen that from Josh Allen as of late. My one concern would that, would be that happening this weekend against the Steelers, but T.J. Watt is out, so lucky Josh Allen, because I could see the Steelers with the way that they've been able to 
handle teams as of late, especially defensively getting after the passer, slowing down the run, and then offensively you're running the ball effectively. You're hitting your big shots when you need to. You're just kind of matriculating down the field with the football. And the Steelers have just been kind of playing some hard-nosed football just one yard at a time. But with Buffalo, it's like they're just rolling right now. And I feel bad for Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh. Like, hey, congratulations, you made it into the playoffs. (laughs) Didn't think you had a chance at all this year. Mm -hmm. But you found a way, again, credit to Mike Tomlin. I don't know if the Bills win by 10. Is that what you said? They're favored by 10 right yeah. now? Yep. I feel like that's huge, even in a playoff game. or just. I, don't, I wouldn't take those points. I, game. I think Tomlin will find a way to keep it close. I think Buffalo probably does, too. They're usually good for some kind of mistake, and it is the playoff. So 10 points feels like a lot to me, but I do think Buffalo wins. Yeah. And, I mean, let's say, let's say the Steelers find a way to beat the Bills. What's the storyline mm-hmm. going into the offseason? That Mike Tomlin should be in the Hall of Fame. That they shouldn't wait <laughs> to put him in. His, Not even the disappointed spot. Bills fans. Like, damn, Mike Tomlin did it again. Yeah. Got I mean, if if the Bills do lose, though, like that offseason is going to be a mess because you're probably going to have to deal with the trauma, uh, the drama of Stephon Diggs. And you already fired an offensive coordinator. Like, are you willing to fire a coach if they have a bad exit? Uh, because they should. They the Bills should win this game, and if they don't, it could get rough in Buffalo. But I don't think that we'll have to worry about that. Not this year. Yep. I'm right yeah. there with you. Our next matchup: Packers at Cowboys, the Mike McCarthy Bowl. Yeah, but that's and not another storyline here. Another Jordan super Love. hot team, man, uh, with the Cowboys. But Jordan Love, you know that I'm anti Aaron Rodgers. I have been for a long time. I feel I I. I peaked. I started to climb out of that hole, yeah. and then I just dug down deeper and deeper. And you were in the middle of that to. heel turn, and it said, "Nah, psych." <laughs> I watched two episodes of Hard Knocks, and I was ready to change my whole opinion. Uh, not anymore. I am fully on the Jordan Love bandwagon. He played really well this whole year, and somehow, kind of went under the radar. I guess that happens when you go nine and eight. Um, but he played, he played well. And to end the year, they win three straight games, uh, Chicago, Minnesota, and Carolina, but he played well in those games and he threw for 4,000 yards this year. He threw for 32 touchdowns and only 11 interceptions. I think he's good. I I think that the Packers did it again. Have you seen how similar his first year as a starter stats are against Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. I mean, they're like almost spot on it's terrifying <laughs> he's what like, 15 just, years away from saying like i would never do what aaron did i i won't do that <laughs> just get me some first round receivers and i'll be happy <laughs> conspiracy theories not me dude yeah. i don't pay attention to nothing i'm strictly football yeah i'm immunized funny. i'm immunized it's fine i'm immunized um, but hey he's got a great relationship with his family it seems like i mean maybe not if he's putting him at the top of the arrowhead yeah. but You know, it's just, does he he have a brother somewhere that he is not talking to anymore? I hope not. That would just be, it would, that would suck. That would suck. Family drama is never fun, but at the same time, it's like, damn Packers, you guys got to (laughs) type, you do, and you're (laughs) nailing it. (laughs) Yeah, and they are. And then uh, they're going to have to roll into Dallas, which Dallas looks so good lately. Like Dak Prescott maybe should be the MVP of the league. I, I don't think that he will be. that conversation so quickly? It was like Dak's MVP, and then it was like Christian McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill, Brock Purdy, and then his like one four interception game from Brock Purdy, which is 
get why the conversation stops, but it's just like arm got deflected, bad at the defensive line. Like it's just like this guy mm-hmm. sucks now. And then all of a sudden it's like Lamar Jackson has two good games. It's like boom, MVP. Lamar Jackson yeah. does not have the stats to be MVP of the league this year. He doesn't. And Dak does. It's almost yes. like you know the star on the helmet used to work for you. You see guys like Troy Eggman, you see Tony Romo. It's like, oh, okay, you were a Cowboys quarterback, so we're going to give you some extra credit for that. It is almost the opposite for Dak Prescott. It's like people have turned on the Cowboys, and now they say, like, we're not going to do that. We're not going to root for you anymore. You're not in this uh, club of Cowboys quarterbacks. <laughs> So I, I don't know. I, I honestly think that he should probably be the MVP. And I think the Cowboys probably win this game pretty easily. They're favored by seven and a half points. Um, I, I Maybe I'm being a coward. I want to stay away from the points in some of these playoff games. I, I don't think that they'll get that. But I do think the Cowboys do win this game. CeeDee Lamb has like finally had his breakout year. Yeah. Uh, he was absolutely amazing this year. But so is Dak, and they're another team. I can only pick a couple that I root for. I would kind of like to see the Cowboys win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And when you you mentioned Lamb, it's because he's finally getting help at, like, other positions Mm -hmm. on the offense, right? It's not like you either run the football and then when we pass, it's strictly going to Lamb. Like, you're able to make things happen with Cook. You're able to use Ferguson in the passing game as well, a young tight end. I think he's the second year in the league. Um but it's like, man, you're sitting looking at it, it's like, okay, like Dallas has kind of developed some of these guys into key roles for their offense. Now you just got to keep it going. And it would just be the most Mike McCarthy, Dallas Cowboy thing ever for the Green Bay Packers to come in and lose to Jordan Love on a miraculous fourth quarter drive to win them the football game in yeah. Jerry World. Like, mm-hmm. ooh, Aaron did it last time. Now it's Jordan Love, like a true passing of the torch. <laughs> And Dallas just is going to have to swallow the fact that you're never winning a Super Bowl again if that happens. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the the, ca- the Packers, they're just kings. And the next time they draft a quarterback, just put him in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. Again, don't wait. Just let him do it. It is what it is. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, our next game, though, the Rams at the Lions. This one is, I think it's funny because Matt Stafford was like, I got to get out of Detroit. I want to go to a winner. And he did, and he won a Super Bowl, and it's fantastic. Now here we are, though, and the Lions look absolutely amazing, and everybody is shocked that the Rams even made it to the playoffs. Uh, So he's going to have his return to Detroit, and he's coming in there, like obviously, on the road. The Lions are the better football team, and I I think that they probably win this game. I'm I'm not sold on the Rams this year. Uh, Maybe that is the kiss of death. You know that I'm very good at that. I just think that the Lions are too good, and I think the whole dilemma with the did the offensive lineman report, did he not, I think it kind of pissed him off. And I think we're going to get some really good football out of the Detroit Lions now. I I think that it kind of re-energized them. It refocused them. And now you're getting this homecoming of Matt Stafford. I think that there are probably still people that want to spoil that for him. Not because you have anything against Matt Stafford. It seems like he's a pretty good dude. But you want to play spoiler to that story, and I think the Lions are going to do it. Yeah, my only concern here for the Lions is just offensively, Sam Laporta uh, got injured last week. And I know he's a rookie tight end, but, man, he's had an incredible season. Like He, he truly has as a rookie tight end to just come in the league 
and be this effective on an offense and become the safety blanket for your quarterback who is a veteran and has other weapons on this offense to kind of distribute the ball to. So I think that could be uh, a knock on him, but the, and, and then carry this over to the Rams. They're just kind of getting things figured out offensively. Like Kyron Williams is clearly your number one running back now. He's on a roll. Puka's having a, a dominant season, just broke the rookie record for what, most yards in a season. Cooper Cup, I think he's healthy now too. Higby, the tight end for the Rams, is low-key, pretty productive when given opportunities. It's just there's so much wealth on that offense, it's kind of hard to spread it. And then defensively, their young guys have are caught up to the league. I mean, Kobe, uh, I think it's Kobe Turner, um, third or fourth round pick that they got at defensive edge kid has just been tearing it up this year. Um, and so if you're a Rams fan, you're coming in here with like, hey, you know, we could go on the road and just knock the lines out of this. And that would be great if that happens. But at the same time, like I just look at Detroit and it just feels like the script is written for them to win, for Matthew Stafford to come home and them to be like, thank you for everything. Now we're biting your kneecaps off. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Congratulations on your Super Bowl. Um, we understand why you left, but also have fun going home again because you've Thank just you. been eliminated from the playoffs. Thank and you for it, sharing this moment with us. Uh, yeah. It's time for you to die. Yeah, goodbye. And here's your kneecaps, sir. Uh, enjoy your flight home. Uh, I'm taking the Lions, though, and I, I want them to win. They're another team uh, that I find myself rooting for. And then the last game, uh, Monday Night Football, we have the Philadelphia Eagles for some reason, traveling to Tampa Bay uh, to take on the Buccaneers, who find a way into the playoffs. Like, congratulations. Someone from the NFC South had to do it. You get to do it. And it's wild to me. You get to do it, and also you get to host the Eagles, who they're the, the defending NFC champs. They look awful right now. They look bad. so bad. Like, if I had to pick Everywhere. a team... To play in the NFC, it might be the Eagles. Uh, just that's how bad things look right now for them. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get them. Uh, maybe we've seen teams do it before that they get a little complacent in the regular season. Maybe that's what's happening with the Eagles. Maybe they will find a way to turn things on. But, I mean, they've lost four out of their last five games. Their only win in the last five games is against the New York Giants. Like, and that's a team that they also lost two. Uh, so I mean, just not a good performance in last two games. You lose to the giants and the Cardinals. That's just, it's a rough, rough look at what's going on in Philadelphia. I mean, to give up 35 points to the Arizona Cardinals in week 17, when things are still very important for you. And then, you know, last week against the giants, it, that one kind of, it is what it is, uh, but it's still, it's not good. And then to see, is Jalen Hurts healthy? What's he going to be able to do in this game? Are you going to be able to run your full offense? Are you going to be comfortable uh, running him with the uh, the tush push, the brotherly shove? Are you going to be comfortable with him running the ball and design runs? Uh, we'll see what happens, but you need Jalen Hurts to be Jalen Hurts or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to find themselves advancing in the playoffs. It's just insane to see the absolute demise of the Philadelphia Eagles like the last six or seven weeks. It's just been insane. Like, there's been little tidbits of it of like, okay, hey, like they're kind of getting away from running the football. You get back to it. You kind of get a couple wins there. You're good. Fans are getting off your back. 
And then just all through December, it's like, oh, my gosh, we just can't figure it out right now. And then you're heading into this week. A.J. Brown got hurt. I don't. I haven't heard anything on what happened to his knee or what the, the true injury is. So if you've seen something, please let me know. But, like, you're sitting here looking at the Eagles. Offensively, you're all banged up. Your offensive line, it is old, um, or older, I should say. How are those guys doing? How's Lane Johnson holding up? Um, we know Jason Kelsey, there's not really any injury concerns there, but it's just like, this is the last run for him. Like th- this is mm-hmm. it. Is this really, you're going to go lose and end his career in Tampa Bay after a loss <laughs> in the Super Bowl? Like that, that is going to stink. But then like two Tampa Bay's defense, they've been balling. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield has been playing really good football. He's been making the right decisions. He's been making good throws. Uh, you've been spreading the wealth there. You're running back. His name is up on my mind, so excuse me. Um, he's kind of just low-key been on a tear this season, very productive in the run game. Mike Evans had another quietly dominant season. Chris Godwin's been battling some injuries, but he, the productivity's still there as well. And then defensively for the Buccaneers, nobody's talked about him. I mean, those guys, yeah. they're healthy everywhere. And they've like, still Antoine got a lot Winfield of pieces. Safeties, like, oh, my god. Right, gosh, they've, so. they've got a ton of talent that was there from that Super Bowl run. Tampa Bay is kind of like low-key scary uh, to go in there and win. Uh, defensively, I think they're going to be good. Like you said, they can run the ball. Baker Mayfield's not great, but is he is he good enough to torch this Eagles defense that is just shredded right now? I mean, if Kyler Murray can do it, then I think that that Baker Mayfield probably can too. I mean, the, the Eagles are right now having to rely on some young guys, some inexperienced guys that – um, they didn't expect to have to turn to. I mean, I use our lads for depth charts. And part of the thing that they offer, which is great, is that in red, it will show you guys that are injured or inactive. And you've got four of your most important players on offense are in red. Uh, A.J. Brown, like you said, we'll see what happened with his injury. Devontae Smith has been banged up. Jalen Hurts has been banged up. DeAndre Swift has been banged up. And then on your defense, that secondary hasn't been good, and they've got guys like Darius Slay uh, injured too. So, I mean, this is almost – I think I'm going to take the Buccaneers. Like, I wanted to make sure we pick each game here. I think that I'm going to take the Buccaneers, and at a minimum, I would take the, the spread, which is negative three, uh, minus three. I think I would take that spread – for, Such a math teacher. Uh, yep. Negative three. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been looking at temperatures here in Missouri all week. Uh, I think I'm going to take the, the minus three because I don't know if the Eagles are that good right now. I, I think that we could see Tampa Bay at least play it close. I mean, that's going to come down uh, to a very close game. But I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win this game outright. Now, what's going to be embarrassing here is if we have been wrong on every single one of these games, which would then mean <laughs> Browns win, Chiefs win, uh, Steelers win, <laughs> Packers win, Rams win, and Eagles win. Like, damn, <laughs> we ain't got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> which could definitely happen because yeah. as I'm sitting here thinking, like, yep, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the Buccaneers to win this game. Now I'm also – I've. I've climbed into my own brain and told myself I'm a dumbass because now I'm sitting here thinking Eagles going to win by 30. It's like Jalen Hurts is going to be back. It doesn't matter. The Buccaneers suck. They barely won the NFC South. Eagles going to win by 30. So if either one of those things happen, the Buccaneers win close or the Eagles win big, 
I'm going to say that I was right either way. I don't care. That's yeah. just. <laughs> I mean, you were aware. Uh, this has just been my luck the last week and a half in terms of betting and just kind of trying to predict things. Um, you were aware I made a, a bet with some buddies, three of us, so each put in $100 for 300 to win six grand if we predicted three division winners. And we had picked the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Miami Dolphins, and then the Atlanta Falcons. We had some hope there. Like, hey, this is the year for the Falcons. Make some noise. <laughs> NFC South, wide open. Five weeks ago, we were like, yo, well. where are we each? It was like, dude, we're about to win two grand apiece, boys. Like, where are we going? What are we doing? Like, you know, let's plan, you know, let's plan a golf trip. What's up? Like, let's let's go travel with two grand. Life comes at you fast because we watched that last <laughs> weekend of games, and every little bit of hope was just right out the window. Mm-hmm. Like the Panthers, I thought the when it comes down to hope for the Panthers this season, like that's when I should have known we were dead in the water. But I was like, you know what? This is our Super Bowl. Baker Mayfield's getting some attention. Mm-hmm. It's time for him to choke. Like he's becoming like more of a focal point. Da 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, damn, they blew out the Panthers. Atlanta loses to the Saints. We talk about an ending there. Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> he might be done. Like whatever. And then Miami, mm-hmm. they just decided right then and there they didn't want to tackle Josh Allen, so he ran no. all over them. Which I get. I it. lose <laughs> money. <laughs> yeah, I respectfully yeah. understand. But it was like, well, there goes my money. It's mm-hmm. gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also had some coaching changes that took oh, place uh, this week, too. Uh, it's referred to as Black Monday. It always sneaks up on me, but uh, we had some surprise ones. Obviously, you had uh, a couple. that uh, The Panthers fired their head coach earlier in the season. The Raiders fired their coach earlier in the season. And the Chargers fired theirs as well. But one guy that you mentioned uh, was at the end of the Falcons and the Saints game, and that's Arthur Smith, who gets fired from the Falcons. And I think I, I kind of saw this coming. Like I wasn't very surprised. And then after you see things like his record, what they didn't do offensively this year, I, I think left a lot of people wondering what was happening. Uh, and then uh, it's, it's almost kind of sad. It's kind of funny. His last kind of moment as the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons is him yelling at Dennis Allen about that last second play uh, that Jameis Winston called. Uh, and then he gets fired hours later. I think that he was the first head coach on Monday to get fired. But hours later after that, he's he's gone. Yeah, and what a, a hilarious postgame interview by Jameis Winston to say, like, yeah, this was a team decision. And then getting an argument with the media member to be like, yeah, that was kind of like a silly decision. Like, yeah, even if it was a team decision, it, I, maybe this is a boomer of me or whatever, like get off my lawn type of thing. It's like, you're the quarterback. You're supposed to be the one that's – you're supposed to be the grown-up in the huddle that says, hey, <laughs> we, we shouldn't do yeah. this. And you're just like, yeah, we're going to do it. Like, yeah, we're, mm-hmm. we're going to be happy. We'll love this. We'll, we'll, we'll share this moment together for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Like, if I was Jameis Winston, I probably would have been all about it too. But mm-hmm. from my seat looking in, it's just like, ah, maybe you don't. Yeah, my thing with it is I liked the Jameis Winston part where he said, like, we're trying to get our guy a touchdown. It's already 41 to whatever, 17. (laughs) How much worse can it get? And I'm totally on board with all of that. But you can't do it out of the victory formation. That is such a low blow to the other team. Like, that is where it gets disrespectful. I, I didn't watch that game. But, like, Tyron Matthew gets an interception, returns it all the way to the one. Coach sends in the play that is like, hey, we're just going to kneel it. We're done here. Game over. 
just kneel the ball and we're done. If he would have said, like, no, we're going to run a play. Like, line up in the I formation, goal line offense. We're going to run a play. We want him to score. That's fine. But it is, it's a little bit shady. And, of course, because it's coming from Jameis Winston to line up in the victory formation on a game where you don't need it. It was the victory formation. And then sneak in a touchdown. Uh, I think if you were going to do it, you probably should have lined up in an actual formation instead of like trying to trick the defense um, into a last touchdown. But I don't, I can't imagine that anybody for the Falcons is actually too upset about it. Um, like it is what it is. I think as a player, you probably understand why they did it. Um, I can also understand a little bit if you were Arthur Smith, why you're so mad about it. And then just the Saints, though, that whole aspect of it is what's really weird because now you have the head coach coming out and saying, like, nope, I didn't call that. That's not what we wanted to do. They changed the play. They did things differently. And then Jameis Winston coming out and saying, like, we had full support of the players. We wanted to do this. That means you have a players versus coach problem. And I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Shannon Sharp. Somebody said, you should cut Jameis Winston immediately. And I agree. Yes. Like if, if you're going to do some cutting, cut the backup quarterback, establish that this is your team again. Or I think that even this little thing of like running a play in victory formation, it can become a, a cancer in your locker room. I don't even know if you're supposed to say that anymore. Uh, but I think that it can be something small that grows and becomes a real problem. Or you just go ahead and you cut Jameis Winston as soon as you can. It's not like he's a difference maker on your team anyway. So yeah. cut him, move on, make an example out of him, and, and then try to salvage something here with the Saints if you're Dennis Allen. I think if you're the Saints, you're looking at Dennis Allen like, you know what, like this just this isn't working. Like, I mean, the Saints are old, dude. Like they're, they're a team that really just needs to, to blow it all up and say we are just going to rebuild. And now is a good time to do it in the NFC South. Because the Buccaneers, like, eh, like, how much longer are you going to have? Like, this might be Mike Evans last year there. Chris Godwin can't really stay healthy. Are you really thinking Baker Mayfield is going to continue to be the quarterback of that team going forward? We will mm-hmm. see. The Panthers clearly rebuilding. The Saints talking about you now. And then the last team that uh, I've not mentioned yet that for some reason I'm forgetting, um, help me please, uh, Atlanta, yep. like, they have all this talent on offense, but they can't figure out how to use it. So it's like, yeah, if you're – New Orleans, like, let's just blow this up, get some picks, and give ourselves a couple years to to get it rolling in the right direction. Because mm-hmm. you don't have a quarterback. Yes, you have some weapons on offense, but, like, defensively, you're all old. Like, all those guys. Like, you don't have any, like, really young, promising talent moving forward there, and you don't have a quarterback that you can rely on. No. It, the Saints, every time we talk about them in the offseason, I immediately go to that salary cap issue. Of them yes. kicking the can down the road with the salary cap of when are when are you going to have to pay that? When is that going to finally come up and bite you in the butt? Do you finally just take it and eat it and say, okay, we're rebuilding. We're going to have to pay out on some of these contracts that we messed up on. Uh, because the Saints, like Derek Carr, that's your quarterback. He ain't it. Uh, I, he's yeah. too old. I liked the story of like, okay, you're in the NFC South. Maybe you make one more push and see if you can be good because no one else is. And you bring in Derek Carr. He's got a chip on his shoulder. It didn't work out. It, I think that it is probably time 
to just admit that it didn't work out if you are the Saints. But for right now, they have a head coach. Uh, the Falcons don't. The Panthers don't. Uh, the Raiders don't. The Chargers don't. And then two other ones that uh, the Commanders fired their coach. Ron Not Rivera. surprising. Yeah. Uh, you're the number two overall pick in the draft. Things haven't looked good there in a minute anyway. So I, I think that it was probably time there. And then the one that was a little bit surprising for me today was Mike Vrabel of the Tennessee Titans. Yes. He was fired. I thought that he still probably had like a little bit of time left. He wasn't like a lost the locker room guy. And I don't know that he ever would have been, uh, but I was surprised to see them let him go. I mean, he did a lot with the Titans. They had some playoff runs where I know me and you were like, don't want to see them. Don't want Derrick yeah. Henry coming into Arrowhead yep. uh, in the postseason. And they they looked really good. And if if I were one of these other teams and I had an opening, I would be exploring what I could do to at least talk to Vrabel. And if I'm the Raiders, I know that they a lot of people like uh, their interim head coach and Pierce, but at least like talk to Vrabel, see if he's interested. Um, and the Panthers, who knows what direction that they will go in. It's tough to say. Do you try to pair Bryce Young with an offensive-minded coach, or do you want a guy that is established and knows how to build something there? Uh, the commanders could do the same thing. I can't imagine that the Falcons would go and talk to Vrabel just because Arthur Smith came from Tennessee, yeah. where he was the offensive coordinator there. Or maybe, maybe you do, and you say, hey, we tried to get you, but we couldn't. We want to now. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted your offense. We wanted you to, to be here. We tried to get the next best thing. It didn't work out. Please come to Atlanta. Please come save this offense. That would be I, – I like the idea of Vrabel in Atlanta just because, mm-hmm. like, he's just going to have those guys ready to play. And, like, if you're just – you could just bring that little extra bit of tenacity that he's going to have as a head coach to Atlanta. Like – you, you have a true opportunity in that division. I mean, you did mm-hmm. this year. You just – Desmond Ritter loves to turn the ball over in the red zone. I think he had like 30 or like 20-some turnovers in the red zone. Like those are missed. You don't even get a field goal out of those because the other team has the ball now. I think with Mike Vrabel as a head coach, and I'm not just saying like he's going to fix turnovers in the red zone, he's just going to have a team more prepared and understanding and ready to play. Mm-hmm. And – I, I like that idea. I hadn't really put Vrabel to Atlanta. I haven't really thought of anybody as a head coach. But like, who's going to be the right fit there? But I actually like that a lot. Yeah, it's just like Jameis Winston's trainer used to always say. You know, just just be prepared. That's <laughs> that's all you can do is just be prepared. Um, two other teams that I think are interesting that we haven't heard anything about yet. Uh, a lot of people are tying Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, to the Chicago Bears. Uh, they have a head coach right now, and I know that it's. Is that it's not great, or is that just Big Cat? I I think it's I think it's local, and I think it's Harbaugh's people too. Dang. I I think that there's something to that. I, I know that they played pretty well this year. Like they did not have a disappointing season in the win loss record. I I don't think at least. Um, so I don't know if that's what they're going to do. But there is a lot of talk that maybe they are going after Harbaugh, who played there in the NFL. That's the possibility. And then the second team, last team we'll talk about, the New England Patriots. Like, What do you do if you're the Patriots? Are are you trying to trade Bill Belichick? Are you going to give him more time because he missed on Mac Jones? 
Are you going to make him take a GM and, and find somebody that can actually build a team? Because it's not working there. They went four and thirteen this year and looked awful. Like I, I think there's more promise on just about every roster in the NFL than there is the Patriots. And we made fun of the Cardinals. I would take the Cardinals roster over the Patriots any day. <laughs> yeah. Like at least you have something and you can be like, Well, we'll probably add Marvin Harrison Jr. in the draft. Like the Patriots are sitting there just hoping and praying that Drake may can somehow fall to them at three. But, I mean, that roster just doesn't look good. Not at all. Do you think Vrabel would go back to New England? There is a player now, Coach. Yeah, I think he's, I think so. I think he would. And there, like I said, there's talk that maybe Belichick gets traded to one of these teams. Uh, I don't know who it would be, uh, but maybe you could. Maybe that's why it's taking so long. Maybe you're calling the Raiders and being like, hey, he's old. He's probably past his prime now. <laughs> His best days are definitely behind him. Give us a first-round pick, and he's yours. <laughs> and they would probably do it. You know what? Why don't we give you two? Like, What a deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just please be careful with your email so we don't have to fire you. Uh, <laughs> you can be the head coach, but we didn't give you an email address. <laughs> Oh, please don't uh, use your personal one. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Las Vegas. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> look, there's the Eiffel Tower. Uh, anyway, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think a lot of changes can still happen. Usually you see a lot of those firings take place on Monday. Um, maybe it'll happen on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Who knows? Uh, but that's it for us uh, today. We thank you guys uh, for putting up with us. Another long show. We're getting long-winded. Um, but that's, it is what it is. We're, we're in the off season now, but we appreciate you guys joining us, putting up with us and sticking around with us, uh, for myself and big country. We will talk to you guys again real soon.